I'm here. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep searching and I'll never stop searching. And that's okay. I'm never going to arrive. I think I didn't know that when I was a kid and I learned that a little bit older. And I think that's the beauty of life is just that continuous search and just never stop. Never stop. Doesn't matter where you're going. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Sasha DeSola, principal ballerina with the San Francisco Ballet, a boundless seeker, intentional learner, and a through-and-through artist becoming. Let's dive in. Hello, today we have the greatest pleasure of welcoming Sasha DeSola to the Artist Becoming podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. What a gift. Thank you, Shelby and Jessica, for having me on. It's so nice to kind of reconnect with you guys again. It has been such a fun excuse to reconnect with all of these people of my past life and Jessica's past life. Um, And it's uh, so inspiring to have watched and witnessed the trajectory of your extraordinary career and your young and speedy ascent to stardom at the San Francisco Ballet. Um, We love to ground these conversations with an opportunity for you to tell us a little bit about kind of the winding path that brought you to where you are, perhaps more specifically pivot points or pivot, um, teachers that really informed your journey, um, to where you are sitting right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's now that I'm thinking through, it's really hard to just choose just a few points or especially people that have influenced me because I consider myself unbelievably fortunate to have come across um, people who have believed in me, supported me, and kind of guided me through this kind of crazy career. Um, But yeah, a little bit about myself. I grew up in Florida and uh, started ballet kind of by chance. I was extremely shy and my mom put me into class and I just took to it right away. I loved it. It was just this incredible feeling of freedom and um, authentic expression and communication and like a feeling of collectiveness that I wasn't able to experience any other way. And that's still what I find so fascinating and what I'm so in love with um, about ballet and, and dance in general, I guess. And so that is where I got hooked. Um, and I was lucky enough to have some great training in Orlando where I grew up. I had um, a few teachers, Heather Frixel, who was Heather Sanders at that time, um, Vladimir Bikov and Vasily Petrutu um, kind of gave me my base training when I started at about 10 years old. Um, And by the time I was 13, I knew that I kind of needed to move away. I wanted to push myself. I wanted to experience more. I wanted to kind of see more of the ballet world, see what other kids my age who wanted to devote their lives to this art form, you know, how they were doing that. And I wanted to be surrounded by that energy. So I, um, 
auditioned for the Kirov Academy in Washington, D.C., and uh, ended up going there um, when I was 13, from the ages of 13 through 16, where that is really where my training really was solidified by my main teacher, Ludmila Morkovina. Um, but I also trained with this, the legend, Soviet legend, Alessizova, um, Anatoly Kuchruk, and Vladimir Julhadzi. So I had really, um, I was so, so fortunate to have very clear and incredible training. I count myself as one of those lucky, lucky kids that kind of by chance, I, I had that opportunity. And at 16, I um, auditioned for San Francisco Ballet and uh, Helgi offered me a contract with the company. And so I left the school and went straight to work. And that was a whole nother journey that I could talk about for probably ages. The ripe old age of 16. <laughs> very, old, very, very old. Yes. <laughs> something that, something that I find interesting about the ballet world in general or about this career path is that there's almost all these levels that you have to ascend through. And it's, it's kind of this constant striving to ascend to the next level, whether it's within your own technique, your artistry, or the literal hierarchy. It's a hierarchical society. You know, it's, it's, we're living in this kind of old fashioned hierarchical model. And something that's really beautiful about your story is that you did go through all those stages to kind of rise, rise through those levels. And there's each of those stages comes with its own vulnerable challenge of a bridge to cross. And when I knew you, you were a corps de ballet member of the San Francisco Ballet and just radiant and, you know, exquisite in your performance. But I'm sure to reach the point where you are now as a principal dancer for the company, there were challenging moments of trying to push through those levels, you know? And mostly because I got to witness that. I didn't see you as someone who just popped right up to the top and had it handed to them. Like you really did fight, I assume, to kind of ascend. So I'd be curious to know, you know, in maybe putting yourself back in the mindset of a new professional dancer and then the time you spent as a corps de ballet member and like a really integral member of that membrane <laughs> what was that like for you like did you aspire to obviously you know but did you aspire to take steps beyond the corps de ballet and was there a time where you felt you know frustrated or some bridge that you built for yourself to kind of take that next step yeah absolutely I you know I think that I love sharing this because this is kind of a point in my career that sometimes gets forgotten because it's easy to forget these moments and they yeah. pass and we move on. But um, no, my, my first years, few years in the company were super tough. I would say they might've been some of the toughest of my entire career. Um, there were a few things that played into that. One was making that transition from being a student to being a professional. That's a huge leap. And coming from the school that I was coming from where everything was very structured and I had a teacher following my every move basically to being kind of left to my own devices in a room of 80 dancers that are also like incredibly talented. Um, it was a huge shift just 
psychologically, like trying to wrap my head around how do I function in this new way of working and how do I continue to do my best and be my best. The other thing that plays into that is you're also at a pivotal age, right? 16, 17, 18. I think it's so important to discover who you are at that time. And um, so those years, they're kind of a whirlwind when I think back on them. I think there was a lot of um, more discovering myself as a human and all of a sudden ballet kind of took a little bit of a backseat for a moment mm -hmm. um, where I really had to kind of push boundaries, see where I was in the world, what was important to me, what wasn't, um, how did I want to function within the world? And I'm really kind of grateful I had that chance to do that because I think when someone is immediately, you know, let's say solo or principal, they have a little less opportunity for wiggle room, right? There's mm -hmm. more expected of them faster. And um, I feel that that really has informed me not only as an artist, but obviously as a, as a person. And I think when you're on stage, you see the most vulnerable, the most authentic version of that person on stage. And so I, I am actually really grateful for those times that I had to kind of um, discover who I was, to be challenged, to be around people who were way better than me and, and try to figure out how do I continue to step it up in my own way? How am I um, going to be self-sufficient and push myself and not rely on somebody in the front of the room to push me. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just a few things that stand out. I can probably continue on <laughs> about this period of my life, but um, yeah. And I love that you said rebellion. I, I love that you use that word because I think we forget that because we're living in this weird other reality, you know, hierarchical society, most people that aren't ballet dancers are experiencing a form of rebellion in those late teen, early 20 years that mm -hmm. most dancers never really get to give themselves permission to experience. And it can sometimes burst out later, mm -hmm. you know? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, that's why, you know, sometimes I think back and I think, oh man, I was so lucky I had that kind of chance to do that because if not, that would probably come out. It comes out at some point. It's just when, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've always had a strong sense of self. So I have a feeling I would probably be doing whatever I felt it was that I felt I should be doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I'm also grateful for that because in the core, there's also such an opportunity to make friends. It's like this incredible uniting experience as well. And I remember when I was promoted to soloist, I missed that so much. I missed that like camaraderie and that feeling of that we're all in this together to create something together, all of a sudden I felt a lot more lonely. And I was something I never imagined when I was young that I would ever feel or ever miss. I thought, oh yeah, I wanna be a soloist. I wanna be a principal. But I ended up feeling quite lonely when that uh, kind of shift started to happen. So it was interesting to, to experience that because it really caught me off guard. I'm so glad that you spoke to that, Sasha, because there's a, um... 
it's almost like a, it's a sisterhood that forms in the corps de ballet for, for the women. And I'm sure for the men as well, brotherhood. And I think that um, it's almost like <laughs> you're like, you're in the trenches together a little bit, but, and then there's this herd psychology that kind of happens. And one thing that you've spoken to a few times already is this concept of authenticity, which obviously it's like kind of a buzzword in, you know, the mental health and wellness space. But I think in terms um, of the artist's sphere, uh, finding your authentic artistry is actually quite a challenge specifically in ballet where you have been fed very specific material um that has been historically ingrained physically mentally emotionally you're spending your entire formative years of child and young adulthood fitting into a mold and there's actually not that much opportunity unless you have extensive experience working with like a private coach you know which is not that frequent um to figure out who you are individually as an artist Right. And so oftentimes it's like waiting until you get injured and you have this reconciliation of like your self-worth or someone comes in and you get a role opportunity that um, challenges you to kind of break from the mold for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I know in my career, I know Jessica as well has like very significant moments of that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was certainly came during from an injury and also during that shift of student to, to professional, but do you mind sharing a moment or two of that for you where you really had by, by force or by desperation or by necessity had to step into you as a person and how that informed your artistry moving forward? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I haven't given it a ton of thought, to be honest with you. Um, I, maybe this isn't, doesn't necessarily fit into the way uh, you Shelby and Jessica have experienced it, but I feel it was more gradual for me. I'm not sure I had one specific moment that really kind of forced me to step into myself. Um, what I do remember of my early years at San Francisco Ballet is like being extremely mindful and aware of the artists within the company. So I was always watching, especially the principals, the solos, anyone, even in the core, like all of my colleagues, I was always watching each one of them because I noticed that everybody had their unique trait that they bring to something. And I love that still to this day about the company. Um, And I loved that then. And it made me realize eventually that as I am is exactly right. And I didn't need to be anybody else. And that took some time, right? Because I wanted to fit in and I wanted to um, be recognized and fit in the mold of what is a San Francisco ballet dancer until I kind of realized I need to stop trying to please my idea of what is expected of me and just be me. And then things naturally started to happen for me as far as roles and opportunities and um, even the way I approach them. And I was so fortunate to have the opportunity to grow in those roles, right? Like the very first opportunity you get isn't how it's going to be in five years, right? So it it's all about having those chances to grow as an artist and to really establish yourself. I mean, I've always had such a strong connection, like emotionally, spiritually with dancing. So that 
has come easy to me. Um, but it's more, how do I share that with others so that others connect with it in the way that I am? And, um, hopefully I bring some joy and something deeper and greater, uh, to the audience that, that has always been my goal ever since I was a kid. Um, so yeah, it, it was a little bit more gradual for me. I have to admit, I'm not sure if I had like one moment, I definitely had an injury where I kind of woke up, but I'm not sure it really affected the way I viewed myself as an artist. It more affected the way I viewed the art form itself. Mm. I, I think something that you just spoke to that's that I, I'm resonating with this that at San Francisco Ballet in particular, it's, you know, I grew up watching this company and what it has always been known for, I think is all, it's like the most diverse group of principles and not just by ethnicity, but by personality, like distinct artistry. Yeah. And I think what can be challenging as a younger dancer looking at that is it's encouraging it's encouraging this individual artistry, but it's almost intimidating because it's like, well, where, which version of this am I? And it sounds like you and came to the gradual ascension where you realized it's not a version, but yourself and just redirecting all your energy to like mastering yourself versus another version to emulate. And I think that that's, just like the greatest challenge of, of artistry because we're trained, as you said, Shelby, to conform and then to take it to the next level, we have to reform. So it's like you're conditioning yourself to conform, but to take it to the next level, you have to reform. It's like this interesting paradox, but um, yeah. A question that I had for you was that I had spoken with you recently and you were preparing for your conversation or you were preparing for your performance of Don Quixote. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that in your routine, you like to visualize your performance and you illustrated to me in that moment, just, I know how refined you are in your process and in your toolbox of like how you do what you do. And um, that takes such incredible discipline. And so I'd love to hear from you. What are some of those tools beyond just the technique that you are pulling from to keep yourself at kind of peak performance, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, because you seem very connected in that way. Yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, so let's say if I'm preparing for a role, so now I'm preparing for Swan Lake, so I'm in a whole different kind of mode. And so there's a few things that go into that for me, obviously beyond the technique, because we all know it, dancing is not only about the technique, right? So um, first and foremost, something I love about this art form is that it is full of tradition and um, knowledge that is passed down from generation to generation to generation. So I love ha the fact that we actually have access to videos of ballerinas from one generation ago to many generations ago, right? And I try to watch as many as possible, especially the ones that speak to me, right? The ones that I'm, I think, wow, this is, this is it. This is mm -hmm. what I'm aiming for in my own way. 
Um, so right now, let's say for Odette Odile, I'm watching Natalia Makarova, Maya Plisetskaya, and those two people just are for me the ultimate. Um, and what's interesting about watching them is, for example, I watch Natasha and I know I'm not her and I'll never be her. And I never want to try to replicate that. I just want to take that inspiration and that spirit that she brings to the role and have it come out of me in Sasha's way, right? Because that's, as long as it's authentic within you, people will connect with that. Um, so that's the first thing is taking inspiration from other people that, that really kind of feed, feed you in that way. Um, secondly, it's connecting with the music. I think music and dance are so intimately tied and they, the music so informs the way that, um, your performance is, um, so really taking the time to sit let the music marinate with you and and also maybe drive some different points of inspiration maybe you find something here that you didn't think you were going to find right and then of course lastly there's obviously the visualization aspect one of my favorite aspects is working with my partner to really make sure that we're on the same page at all times and we're telling the same story and we're going on the same journey. We know exactly what journey we're going on. And I love going through that. That's like one of the geekiest, most fun <laughs> things about it for me. Um, so that's something that I really like to do. And it doesn't involve a lot of dancing. All these things don't involve dancing. They're just kind of the background of what informs then the actual dancing that you see on stage. And I think all of that background work I, I don't know if it's evident to people, but at least it makes my experience extremely fulfilling. And I'm grateful for that because I know that that's, I feel that being on stage and being able to do these roles are such a huge privilege and such a huge gift. And I don't want to waste any part of that. So that's the way I see it. Oh, girl, you've been doing this since you were a young teen, because I remember seeing you dance, um, it was like the fascinating rhythm variation from who cares. And we were, Sasha and I went to this, the same summer program back when we were t- teeny tinies and Jillian Murphy brought in the lyrics to all of this music. And we just sat in the studio singing it to kind of get it into our bones. But I love what you just spoke to was investing in the context of the story you're telling, the art you're expressing and the partnership that you're creating. And that is just that kind of background work. It elevates the technique in a way that nothing else can like talent is irrelevant at that point. You know, it's just, it's such a beautiful way to hold um, the art with such reverence. And um, I think that that just, that is such a consistent theme across, you know, the amount of time that I've known you, but to hear you articulated in such a woke and present way is just, it's awe-inspiring. It's not surprising, but it's awe-inspiring. Oh, thank you, Shelby. And you know, fun fact, that was my very first Balanchine ballet. Fascinating. Or that Balanchine little excerpt. Very first. And I I remember my mind was blown because I was just used to Vaganova school, Vaganova training. And then I had to do Who Cares? And I thought, 
I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> it's like speaking another language. Yeah. And it was the most fun. And I'm still to this. I love dancing Balanchine, anything. So it's, yeah. But that oh. was my very, very first time I danced anything Balanchine. Well, you nailed it. Unsurprising. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and I wanted to just add to that, that really what you're speaking to with all that background, it's intention. It's just intention. It's you're being so intentional. And um, I think a little bit in the way that time has moved on and social media has taken over. Um, we've spoken with, you know, schools and younger generations or, or it can be in our current generation where some of the intention is sometimes lost in a hunger to just output mm -hmm. and it loses some of the reverence and the substance and the clarity, like, and I, I just bow to you for that. And it's kind of a woo woo reference, but I, I love this woman who teaches about manifestation. And one of the first principles that she talks about is expansion, which means in order, if you see something that you wish to, you know, become into or a role that you want to play or a, you know, um, a new way of being, one of the first steps to manifesting that is expanding your consciousness to see that it's possible. And so by you watching the videos of these ballerinas, you are ingraining in your neuro, you know, neurological system that it is this woman with this physique, with this able body is creating and emanating, you know, and it is proof, living proof before you that you can do the same, you know? So it's like this mirror experience and, I think sometimes we take for granted in our quest to be original, like how much we can learn from other people, which you've spoken to like five times now, you know, just by watching the other artists around you, you grew into yourself and we don't, it don't we don't have to go it alone. Like we have so much to learn from others, to soak in from others, to find our own selves. Like they're not um, separate. They're, you know. Yeah. They work in tandem that, learning from others helps you grow into yourself. I really believe that because that's exactly yeah. how I've experienced life. So uh, yeah. And I, going back to that word reverence, that is something that I, I guess I want to just underline because I do think that not to make ballet overly important, right? Because it isn't everything, but at the same time, it is everything when you're doing it or that's the way it feels to me at least. Um, and having reverence for those generations before you that really set the groundwork for you. I don't want that to get lost. Sometimes I do feel in this day and age of everything new, everything is 10 seconds long, everything is just pow. Um, we miss kind of the core of the art form, which is the soul, the heart, the artistry, the spirit of, of the work. And that comes through that shared and learned knowledge that's passed down from generations mm -hmm. that you can't replace us so special. I could just cry. <laughs> I could just cry because I, you're speaking so beautifully to this like phenomenon, this paradox of, you know, I think ballet is in a moment right now where it's trying so hard to stay relevant. And even I catch myself, you know, explaining a ballet and classical 
like a, a classical ballet career to someone. And, and I hear myself justifying like why it's still important when I, sh- we shouldn't need to, but in a world where, you know, kids are learning to dance on TikTok and it, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, I'm not trying to like hate, hate on any of it. Like the accessibility of art is, is reaching whole new heights and that's beautiful, but there is this preciousness of, of passing from one generation to the next, from one hand to the other. And it's really easy for that to fall through the cracks and it's almost impossible to learn, learn that virtually, or it, like a lot of what you're speaking to is the je ne sais pas of what makes an artist an artist. Like that's not something you learn at a summer intensive or in a curriculum at a prestigious ballet school or even a non-prestigious ballet school. So it's, it's just, um, it's sacred. And then it's like, how do you hold something so sacred and keep it relevant and revere where it came from and forward it into next generations. Like it, it is a hard conversation. It's a hard conversation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Full of dichotomies, I think too. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. But what I wanted to ask was you clearly, this is a two part question, but I'm going to try to make it one part. Yeah. It's gonna be two parts. <laughs> two parts never work. Okay. It's not going to be a two part. It's going to be a one part. The one part is knowing that you have this kind of deeper resonance and connection um, and that you are studying leadership right now. And it seems like you are really pursuing your higher education. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, do you have some insight or um, passion or, you know, curiosity towards leadership in the arts for ballet or a thirst to kind of pass down some of what you've learned, you know, is that something that's on your path right now? Or perhaps the two part would be just giving us a taste of what this higher education experience has been like for you, because it sounds just deeply impactful and, and stretching who you are. Yeah. You know, something that I've learned about myself over the years is that I'm kind of an all in person. When I find something I love, it's just blinders, all in, pure passion, heart, everything goes into that. All of my energy goes into that. And um, so as far as my higher education, um, I actually started pursuing that through the LEAP program through St. Mary's College that I'm sure many dancers who listen to this podcast might know about. Um, but it basically allows you to get your BA in performing arts um, while also having a professional career, which is incredible. I started that quite a long time ago because I always loved going to school actually. And education was always very important to me. And it was something that I felt I had to sacrifice in a way for my career. And when this became, when I heard about this option, I immediately enrolled myself because it's something that I love naturally anyway. Um, But secondly, we can't ignore the fact that we can't dance forever. Right. And lastly, I do going back to that, Uh, thing that I said earlier, I do think that you see the full human on stage and the more well-rounded of a person you are, the more more well-rounded of an artist you have the capability to be at least. Um, So I have been doing that, um, but I also was 
floored that I was chosen um, to be a part of Harvard Business School's crossover into business program. So this is a special program for elite athletes that they're handpicked um, for uh, basically one-on-one um, learning um, with a set of mentors and you can really tailor your experience to what you're interested in. And so it's been just an unbelievable experience. I can't even believe that this even exists, <laughs> let alone um, just to have access to it. I can live across the country and still have access to these Harvard Business uh courses and students, professors, it's, I just cannot say enough great things about the program. Um, so I'm, I feel super, super grateful and fortunate to be a part of it. That being said, um, thinking about leadership and how to use, you know, all of my interests um, to move this art form forward, which I deeply love, it is something that I've thought about, um, although I don't know yet if that's something for sure that I that I want to pursue. I think I love it so much, and I, I, you know, it's this weird feeling of I want to make sure I'm 100% ready and the right person, the right mindset, the right um, vision to lead the art form forward in a way that is reverent to the tradition of the art form, but also leads it forward into the future and does allow people to connect with it in a really authentic way. Um, so yes, I've thought about it, although I don't know yet if that's something that really is um, on my plate in the future, but you know, you never say never, but um, for now I'm just focusing on, on, on really like building my education and making sure that I am well-rounded in my knowledge of business. And, um, and then of course, as an artist. That is tremendous, tremendous, Sasha. I, I have heard of that program. It's up there with um, Columbia General Studies. Like there's just more and more opportunity now for elite athletes to set themselves up for further success beyond their careers. And it is so important and it's really hard when you're giving 300% of yourself to something that you love that you know is finite to even consider doing something else. But, you know, one little bit at a time and one course at a time amounts to so much. And um, I, I love, again, like coming back to Jess's word, like the intention behind you getting your education, how that's informing your career now and how it's setting you up for growth beyond it is just, um, that it's just been such a cohesive thread throughout your narrative that I just want to honor. Um, and then also to say when it comes to giving back or carrying the art form forward, I mean, this is something I'm reconciling like in my own heart of how I stay connected to art in a meaningful way. And it's just to say that there's, there's so many ways be like artistic leadership takes many different shapes. It can be philanthropy on behalf of the arts. It can be serving a nonprofit that supports arts education. There's so many different directions that you can go, you know, 
motherhood, that's an art, you know, that that's an art too. And Jess and I have talked to so many artists at this point and at different stages in their career, um, early young aspiring core members all the way to, um, you know, Sarah Van Patten, who just had her, her career finale. And, um, I think that there's often more often than not, there's a yearning to stay connected. There's a little bit of like emotional fear around how that's going to be. Um, that's beautiful because it's, it's a love. It's your first, it's all of our first great love and, and love is amorphous and, um, navigating that evolution can be scary, but also absolutely beautiful and freeing in in whole other ways. Um, but thank you for plugging that program. Is that something, can you shed a little light on the, the like application process for that program or is it, are you randomly picked just for the audience to know? No. So the application, you can actually apply online. Um, and it's a relatively simple application process, um, initially. So just through Harvard business school, um, hbf.edu. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plug for Harvard here on the podcast. (laughs) Well, we now had two Harvard, um, current and alumni, Garen. So, Hey, oh, Garen Ivy too. League. we're yeah. Ivy league. Um, <laughs> we're so Ivy, but, uh, what I also wanted to just say to tag along Shelby and Sasha was that, and you've spoken to it, Sasha, is that dancers are so myopic in their vision and there's such a strength and an energy that comes from that type of drive towards one thing so fearlessly. And so with such perseverance, and I think that it's very vulnerable and courageous to witness an artist who's in the stream of that drive, just share a curiosity towards other things without knowing where it's headed. Because I think as dancers, we are, we gain such security through that forward motion on something we're so dedicated towards and to admit that we might not have it figured out and that we're curiously kind of curiously testing different waters is like a very brave admission because we're used to feeling like we know our identity and exactly what we're doing so it's very brave for you to share that and yeah I think sometimes I could be better at being more curious you know Well, I think, you know, I think something that is important to remember is that we're all multifaceted, right? There's no one version of anyone. And sure, if you spend all your time devoted to ballet, of course, that part of you is going to be strong because you're spending your time doing that. But that doesn't mean you don't have the capacity to devote your time. Maybe it's just 10 minutes, but those 10 minutes, you can also devote yourself wholeheartedly to that other thing that kind of piques your curiosity. And I think it's a matter of, at least for me, which is something that I definitely struggle with is trying not to be super results driven. I think as dancers, as, as I think it was Jessica, I believe mentioned that basically we have all these stages, right? And so you, you kind of like take this step and then you go to the next step. Those are results driven type people that are attracted to that type of world. And there's also a lot of value in, you know, exercise for exercise, right? So you know, whatever it may be, not physical exercise, but any anything that you're devoting your time to. Um, 
And I personally have found, because I actually was just saying to my mentors today that I, at times throughout the semester, felt frustrated that I didn't have the time and the energy to devote what I wanted to, to the course. I, you know, we work six days a week, 14 hours a day. So there's like an hour in there that you can devote to this. And I, I started feeling frustrated about it because I, you know, being the kind of type A perfectionist, usual ballerina style person, <laughs> I was, I was frustrated that I couldn't do better. But um, at the same time, it's also, I, I found that um, when I, when I had these, these uh, sessions with my mentors, that I came out feeling super invigorated, completely refreshed. I feel I don't know, like a new side of me is alive. And I think that's, that's important. And I, I'm grateful I, I can kind of find those moments to find those different sides of myself. Um, because, you know, why not? <laughs> that's the, that is the best. And it actually, yeah, we bow to you. It speaks so perfectly and so beautifully to the genesis of this podcast and what Jess and I are doing, which is highlighting the artist's becoming journey, which is just that it is a journey and it is not, uh, it is not to become, it is like the process of it all. And, you know, here you are at the height of your career, still ascending as well and investing in all of your different facets in, in such an intentional way. And I think that it just speaks to who you are as an artist, who you are as a person and the, the journey, which will continue far beyond the stage for you. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to lean into. And you're reminding me of this, one of my favorite talks that Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the author gave where she, she admits to telling people, advising people to follow their passion. And the way she puts it, she's like, follow your passion. And one day you'll basically write, eat, pray, love, and it'll become a movie and (laughs) you'll become a star. And someone pointed out to her that like knowing your passion is, is a privilege that a lot of people can't identify with. And, um, she had this whole kind of reckoning moment where she's like, that's a, that's a, that's horrible advice. Like actually what's much more proactive is follow your curiosity, you know, like take the hummingbirds journey and smell over here and fly over here and flit over there. And maybe one day, like following those curiosities will lead you to a passion and how organic, but it's, it's just showing up with a sense of curiosity for growth. And, um, and we'll, we surprise ourselves and we surprise each other, which is so exciting. So energizing, as you said, I love that. I love that. That's great. Sasha, I have no further questions. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I mean, the only thing to sort of close this, because you've just inspired me in so many ways with your just clearly deeply intentional and disciplined energy and discipline gets a bad rap, but I think it's one of the most spiritual words because it's about devoting yourself and your time, which is your most valuable currency towards the things you believe in, which is what you're doing and living and breathing and emanating when you're on stage. And um, I guess a closing question would just be, you know, what's a advice that you might give to younger Sasha? Mm. I think younger Sasha would be 
quite surprised in some ways to see myself here and in other ways, not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if I could have given myself advice at the time, it's to continue to trust myself, to trust that my journey, um, my gut, my perspective on life is valid and will inform me to continue to move forward and to just continue to be a learner, right? To continue to maintain this um, this perspective of I'm here, I don't have all the answers, but I'm gonna keep looking, I'm gonna keep searching and I'll never stop searching and that's okay. I'm never gonna arrive. I think I didn't know that when I was a kid and I learned that a little bit older and I think that's the beauty of life is just that continuous search and to what Shelby said, the hummingbird's path, the hummingbird's journey. I love that. Um, Just never stop, never stop. Doesn't matter where you're going. I love that. I love that. I think Da Vinci said art is never finished. It's abandoned. So here's to just abandoning the best of our art. (laughs) So true. I, you know, even I was like thinking about it with Swan Lake and I was talking with my coach about it. And what I love about ballet is that it's just, you're never done. It's never good enough. And that sounds like a bad word that I'm saying that it's never good enough, but I mean that in the best way, like there's always room to grow. There's always more to discover. There's, there's always space. And I love that. I think it's, it's a great, great attribute to our art form. And I think dancers all share that love of that continuous growth and that continuous journey. And I think that's what makes dancers so special and so awesome. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you for the reminder that, yeah, we're not meant to arrive. We're just on the journey. So thank you. And um, I just can't wait to come see you in Swan Lake. I know you're going to be absolutely exquisite. I will absolutely be getting a ticket. And um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And I just want to thank you, Shelby and Jessica, for having me on. I just for the listeners who don't know, I we met when we were really young and it's incredible to see your journeys as well and um, to use to create and use your platform to help others and have a space where people can connect, where people can um find a sense of community if maybe they feel lost, maybe, uh, you know, find a role model, even if that's helpful. And what you're doing is so important and so special. And I'm just grateful to be a little tiny, teeny part of it. Um, But thanks for having me on. Love fest. (laughs) (laughs) Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership. 
filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at artistbecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.